KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. Recently, it's kind of felt like we're stuck in that famous Oprah scene where she gave away cars to everyone in the audience, but instead of cars, it's top secret paperwork. You take home a classified document. You take home a classified document. Everybody takes home a classified document. I know that. As a matter of fact, you can go back to the days of George Washington, and there were things that he did that were military and intelligence related that he kept secret. Yes, it certainly seems like every few weeks or so we hear about another high-ranking official who, knowingly or not, left the White House with something they shouldn't have. But is it really that big a deal? Or is it just something else for politicians to make noise about? Frankly, the people leaving office don't care very much about this. I just don't think they give high priority to being sure that every document stamped secret or top secret is pulled out. I'm Matt Leon, and today on KYW News Radio in depth, Villanova University Professor of Political Science Dr. David Barrett on Biden, Trump, Pence, and past precedent, and whether they could be in danger of facing charges. In the last several months, there have been multiple storylines of people having classified documents that they're not supposed to still have. Former President Trump, obviously, the headliner there, but then. Also, some things for current President Joe Biden, but from his days as vice president and then also former Vice President Mike Pence. This is not new. This has happened before with high level election officials being found to have things that they weren't supposed to have anymore. Am I correct? Yes. I mean, let me give a little bit of sort of legal history here until I think it was around 1976 or so. Anyway, some sort of roughly mid 70s, Congress passed a law. This is sort of post-Watergate Presidential Records Act, some some law like that, which which explicitly said to policymakers when they're leaving government, you can't take those documents home. Because before that, the law was not clear. And so many policymakers did was they just gathered up documents and said, well, these are my personal papers and took them home and then decided what would be then, quote, donated to the appropriate archive. So they had a first go at deciding what shall be destroyed and then what shall not be destroyed and turned over to the archive. So, and you know, there are all these legal political disputes over the Nixon papers when he sort of very suddenly resigned the presidency due to the Watergate scandal. So Congress has, has, has said, you know, since the seventies, like you can't take you know, government papers home. They're not yours. They belong to the people of the United States and they'll be made available to the people through archives. So it's not just Trump and Pence and Biden, but it's clear that others have done this. And sometimes with a very cavalier sort of an attitude, there was a guy who was national security advisor to former President Clinton. And there was some document, maybe he wished he had taken it home, whatever. He went to the National Archives and basically just tucked it into his coat pocket and tried to steal it. Well, he got caught. But there is this sort of cavalier attitude. And I know I I have found documents in archives that were classified, that were taken home. But but that's from the early Cold War. I've also read about, it's not my direct experience, of now CIA and some other security bureaucracies have gone to archives holding papers from, say, members of Congress or the executive branch, who had documents, who retired in the 80s, 90s, you know, when it's illegal to take the documents home, but they did take them. And then they show up in the archives holding their papers for people to look at. So you you have this, you've had, I don't know if it's still happening, but 
back a decade or so, you had this strange phenomenon of like somebody from the CIA or the National Security Council showing up at an archive. And, you know, archives are pretty quiet places. It's not like this, this is not an action-packed environment, uh, an archive with government papers. And they showed up and said, we want to, you know, we want you to put all these boxes off limits. And it's because policymakers continued to take papers home. I don't know that they were consciously trying to violate the laws. I don't know, but they took these documents home. And, you know, it's it's not a good thing to do, but it happens. What is supposed to be the punishment for this? Because it doesn't seem like in our current situation or through the years, there's been any real significant punishment for high level people. Yeah. So I'm not an attorney and I haven't read all the text of the laws. And I find when I occasionally I try to read some of these national security related laws passed by Congress. I remember trying to read the Patriot Act and oh, my God because they keep referring to subsections of various previous laws that they're either sweeping into this law or saying no longer applies. But as I understand the enforcement mechanisms for this law, this Presidential Records Act, which has a longer name, the enforcement mechanisms are weak. So you're not going to see anyone, you know, look, Donald, I'll, I'll make a confident prediction that Donald Trump is not going to go to jail. It does appear that that he knowingly took classified documents, some of them of obvious great sensitivity home, but I don't think he's going to go to jail over it. And I certainly, you know, as I, my sense of it is that documents that were taken home, I say taken home, taken somewhere out of Washington, D.C., usually to some sort of home area storage place. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to be prosecuted. And I think those documents with Pence, I'm just saying this from what I read in the news, that the documents with Pence and Biden was more or less inadvertent. My my sense of what happens at the end of an administration is that, frankly, the people leaving office don't care very much about this. You know, I don't think that presidents or vice presidents or you know whoever, I just don't think they prioritize when they're speaking to their staffs when they're when they know like they're they're out of office in two months or whatever. I just don't think they give high priority to being sure that every document stops top stamped secret or top secret you know i think a lot of it's inadvertent i suspect it won't this won't happen so so much in in at least the next few years to come because now we know that this is this is a problem in general the idea of classifying documents within the u.s government about how long are we talking how long has this been done (laughs) well over a century and i'm sure you I'm sure you can go back to, well, I know, as a matter of fact, you can go back to the days of George Washington, and there were things that he did that were military and intelligence related that he kept secret. And so versions of of this have existed for the entire history of the nation, but then the specific, like, classifying of documents itself goes back well over over a century. I think it was about 10 or 15 years ago. Someone at, at National Archives decided to to figure out, to determine, like, okay, what's the oldest document that the government is still keeping classified? And it was about a century old. I think it was something from the World War One or pre-World War One era. So the government's been classifying documents for a very long time. What are the rules for classifying documents and who's in charge of it? Or are there multiple entities who have the power to determine something classified or top secret or such? 
Well, this is a part of the problem is that so many of these different agencies that have something to do with military affairs or intelligence or uh, U.S. diplomacy, you've got all these different bureaucracies, agencies, major ones that we've all heard of, you know, like the CIA, but then these sort of sub-bureaucracies. I mean, if you think about the Defense Department, the Pentagon, which is just a huge bureaucracy itself is made up by a collection of many huge, but also then innumerable smaller bureaucracies. The the way that things are done now, if there's a, and I say this from experience, if you request a certain document, you know it exists, you know something about it, you request its declassification. One of the reasons is that it's so slow is that all those agencies that classified it decades ago, they get to weigh in on whether or not it should be declassified now. So we, it's not like there's some one agency that's classifying documents or someone that is making a decision about declassification. I mean, it is worth keeping in mind, there are very good reasons to keep all sorts of uh, documents classified. The U.S. government doesn't really want China, Russia, um, Iran, North Korea to know things about our military and intelligence capabilities and activities. So there are good reasons to classify things, but there's a kind of a, a reflex in bureaucracies that's existed again, for many decades, to to just stamp these things, confidential, secret, top secret, eyes only. There's a there's a category called literally eyes only, meaning, so I've, I have declassified, I write about the early to middle Cold War period, sort of the Truman era through the Johnson era, and especially about intelligence and war related things. And I have seen documents where it was like it said, literally eyes only for the president, meaning Someone somewhere at CIA or the Pentagon put it in an envelope and they wanted no one to see it because it was so sensitive. And I think in those cases, they really are. I can tell when I look at the document itself, sensitive, at least partially declassified. Like, well, yeah, this is very sensitive stuff, but it's just a reflex to so just use that secret, top secret, whatever stamp for all sorts of documents that are routine. Yeah. And to that point, you kind of explained this, but like all top secret classified documents are not created equal there is as you pointed out like the the stuff that you can't photocopy and can only be read and then and then taken back and then there's other things it sounds like that are top secret but can be handed out stuff like that like there are multiple levels of of this right i think part of the problem i've often wondered like so how does this happen at the ground level the documents are i mean i think i understand how it happens how things get classified because it's just an almost an automatic reflex to to copy papers from a sensitive meeting or or on a supposed sensitive topic. But the declassification process is more of a mystery to me. And as I understand it, the agencies, I've certainly read more than once that CIA hires retired CIA personnel, brings them in and sort of gives them a bit of training to then decide whether or not documents will be declassified. Well, I don't it's clear the training is not sufficient and they're clearly not given guidance that they should lean in favor of declassification we need to take a break we will have more on classified documents with dr david barrett of villanova university right after this this is kyw news radio in depth we are back continuing our conversation on kyw news radio in depth with dr david barrett of villanova university I feel like the Donald Trump situation is in one bucket and 
former Vice President Pence and current President Biden are in another bucket. Regardless of whether or not there's going to be punishment, these are, it seems to me, two very different types of situations and how they were handled by the person who had the documents. Am I being unfair? I think that's right. And I think the response to it, clearly there's been struggle, legal struggle and political struggle back and forth between former President Trump and his team of lawyers and advisors and and whoever, and the U.S. government, um, government attorneys acting on behalf of the National Archives. Former President Trump has, he said, look, these are my documents. Well, to that I can say, no, they're not. They're not. I mean, even if you receive a gift from some celebrity while you're in office, it actually doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the government. So there's been real resistance to cooperate from former President Trump. And I don't, now again, I'm not privy to the details of these interactions, but I don't see the evidence of some kind of serious resistance by Pence or Biden or their people in terms of getting these things turned over. I don't see a refusal, a sort of a blatant refusal to cooperate. So they do seem rather different. And I mean, I'll just predict that in the coming year, we're going to learn that other policymakers, I can imagine that some senators and members of the House who've retired in the last 20 years, if they're still alive, they're thinking, oh, my God, I hope no one goes looking at my papers, because I can tell you they'll find stuff. (laughs) And if we look, let's just go back in time. I mean, Dan Quayle, a former vice president, Al Gore, I mean, some of these people that, frankly, we're not giving those people a lot of thought right now. But my prediction is if you went and carefully Uh, sort of surveyed their papers, you'd probably find some of these things. I think it's pretty inadvertent. What does it say about our ability to keep secrets? We're very big to classify all these different levels, all these different bureaucracies. But if it's so important from the bureaucracy standpoint, shouldn't the bureaucracy have people whose job it is to make sure that Paper X is back in 24 hours? These three sheets went out. Why aren't three sheets coming back? It seems... We, we we love kind of the cloak and dagger angle, but the low-level paperwork organization yeah. part, we're, well, we'll figure it out. Like, it seems like if it's that important, shouldn't there be people whose job it is to make sure that every door that's opened is closed? Well, there are. I mean, there are staff people who are part of their job is to see to it that these things are handled carefully. And yet, so I, I speak to you, number one, my combination of researching sort of early to middle Cold War era, and then what I read about the more recent late Cold War, post-Cold War, early, you know, 21st century, is that this this is still a problem. So you have these sort of standard operating procedures to see to it that the really sensitive documents are protected. And yet, every now and then I'll read about, well, but yet a copy of this somehow went missing or was perhaps even stolen So there are these sort of mysteries of, well, what happened to it that are not always resolved? To some degree, I think those kinds of events are predictable just in very big government. These sorts of things will happen. (laughs) They shouldn't, but they do. What would be some things you would say we could do to stop this from happening or at least work harder to prevent it from happening? I mean, in terms of people walking out with documents you you can you can just just amend the law to so that they're serious i mean to make it a felony punishable by such and such so there's that i mean presidents can issue executive orders 
to their agencies. And a president's executive order applies for the term of his presidency. It can apply beyond if the next president is okay with that executive order. So presidents can, you call it the come to Jesus meeting, but something like that, a, a stern reminder to the leaders and the the bureaucracies of the administration to pay more attention to to keep important secrets secret. The same applies to, I mean, there's sort of two problems. One problem is sometimes sensitive documents. And this is really, I think, this is particularly the case with, with the, the whole former President Trump story. There's the one problem, we want to keep secret those sensitive documents that would be of use, whose information would be of use to rival or enemy governments. Like We don't want that to happen. So there's that. And Congress by way of amendments to existing laws or presence by an existing, by, by a new executive order can speak to that. Meanwhile, there's the other problem, which I'll just fess up as a, as a researcher, as a scholar who tries to write about national security topics of the Cold War era. I don't, I don't want the government to keep things classified from 50 and 60 and 40 years ago. Again, Congress could pass a law Presidents can sign executive orders. The the funny thing about that one is Presidents Clinton and Obama signed executive orders to sort of nudge the government toward greater declassification. And I'll bet you if you ask them, they they would sort of think, well, okay, we've kind of taken care of that problem. But it didn't because executive orders, before a president issues an executive order, usually like it, all the different bureaucracies get to weigh in and then there are all these loopholes. I'll tell you, one time Congress acted effectively on this issue of getting things declassified. It was because of that movie, JFK, the Oliver Stone movie, which I regard as just terrible history. I mean, it's it's an interesting movie, but the history is just bogus. But it so upset the American people and the news media into thinking, you know, there was this sort of grand conspiracy to by the CIA and the FBI and God knows who else to assassinate President Kennedy. There was such a, a level of uh, kind of an uproar Congress passed this thing called the JFK Assassination Records Collection Act, a name, something like that. And boy, that had a real effect. From that era, that presidency, Kennedy, a whole lot of documents got and are still being declassified as a result of that one law. But, you know, there's just, look, this is an issue like this month, this year, but I'll bet you anything a year from now, it's like no one's going to be talking about it. This classified, keeping things classified that should be, declassifying things that should be, it's an issue right now. To me, it relates to my work. I think it's an interesting issue. I'm not confident that a year from now anyone's going to be talking about it very much. And I don't, I don't know that presidents or Congress have much motivation to do the things that it would be required. Both are very complicated topics. Like, how does a president force the government or how does Congress force the government to keep things appropriately classified? Like this is the problem of implementation to get things implemented properly. It's very complex because you're relying on multiple bureaucracies and not just high level people in those bureaucracies, but people at the ground level. So fixing this, I'm not very optimistic. I'm sort of chuckling over it now, but the truth is in my work, I get very frustrated by these problems. And as a citizen, like, I really take objection to high-level policymakers having a cavalier attitude that they can just take things home. When the law is clear, they cannot take these things home. One of the frustrations I have with like American society is we really struggle to hold the powerful accountable in significant ways. And 
this is might be a, a small example for the most part, but I, if I was on a White House tour and we got taken through a room and I saw a folder that said classified left on a table and I took it and left, I find it very hard to believe that I would just get a polite knock on the door and say, hey, can we have that back? And it, I'd say, well, talk to my lawyer and we'll see. Like, seriously, I'm exaggerating to a point, but, you know, no, it, it's, it's I, I would be put in jail and the questions, I would be put in jail and probably any questions that were asked would be asked afterwards once they got it back and I was in prison. Like, I, it just seems to me that... I agree. I mean, I've, I've thought about that scenario that sort of ordinary people who, who sort of steal documents... I think would 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 be treated in a very stern legal fashion, you know, like going to jail or something. You know, in the case of General Petraeus, in the case of Sandy Berger, or in the case of recent president or vice president, like there, none of those people have gone to jail, or in my opinion, will be going to jail over this. Some people think that Donald Trump should go to jail over this, but. Uh, it's a it's a legally and politically tricky thing to be sending a former president off to jail. If he's going to be sent off to prison at some point, I don't think it'll be this legal controversy, maybe some other one, but I think not this one. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.